0: Thank you for joining Sumpter Chapel's weekly podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and speaks life to your spirit. As always, we pray that this podcast will further God's kingdom by seeing one more made new. Now, let's get started with today's message. So as I hope you discussed around your tables, do we as a society truly believe as a people both as individuals and then also as our broader society, do do we think that people can actually change? Do we really believe that someone can actually change? That they can be uh, one person at one part of their life, season of their life, act a certain way, behave a certain way, do certain things, but then that something can, can happen and they can actually change? that once we've labeled them a certain way, are they always that way? I mean, as Christians, as believers, as those of you in this room that would would say that you've believed the gospel and that you're a believer, that you're a Christian, your testimony would be that you changed. I mean, you, how you would share your story about what God has been at work in your life doing is that you've changed. I, I think we as believers hopefully would say that we really do believe people can change. But I'm not sure that our society really believes that or not. I'm not sure we as a people, and sometimes because of that, that feeds into the church, I'm not sure people really believe that people can change. I've seen this come into the church and kind of feed into our minds as Christians through talk about uh, marriage or relationships, right? That there's this this saying that you can't, you can't change someone, right? And then that's true. And that part of it's true. You can't change someone. That if if someone doesn't want to change, if there's not an outside force acting upon them to to instigate change, that you can't. You can't go into a relationship and expect to change someone. However, you should expect them to change. Like that's, I think, the not-truth that sneaks in. The untruth that sneaks in and the lie that we begin to believe and that ultimately the society influences us to believe is that people don't change but but they will change necessarily so someone you're in a relationship with someone you marry will not be the same person that they were when you met them they won't be they will change and so the expectation of change should be that people will change It, it may be true that you can't change them but if you've begun a relationship with Jesus and experienced change, then you know that Jesus can change them, that circumstances could change them, that, that change will happen in their life, and through Jesus can happen in their life. Drastic change. And so in, like, conversations about marriage or marriage counseling sessions, I express that, that you can't change them, but you should expect your partner to change That you should expect the person you marry to change. That should be an expectation. That they will change, but then even more so as a believer, you should expect them to be in a relationship with Jesus that changes them. That's a realistic expectation. And that if they're not in a relationship with Jesus that's changing them, that that you should bring that up. That that should be a part of your marriage relationship. Are they being changed by their relationship with Jesus? And if they're not, we need to talk about it, right? I mean, that's, it's not on you to change them, but it's not unhealthy to have the expectation that Jesus will change them. And so we deal with this reality or this expectation or this belief, it's ultimately a belief, about change. Do people change? Can they actually change? This conversation is happening in our culture right now. Right now in this very moment this week with Kanye West. Right? With Kanye West. That Kanye West comes out and expresses faith. He comes out and declares Jesus as king. Begins to share the gospel through his conversations that he's having on TV and the internet and his album that he released. And all of this is happening And yet it's being met with what? Skepticism. It's being met with skepticism. Sometimes skepticism is healthy. But there's also an unhealthy skepticism where we discount someone's, the possibility of someone changing because we're not actually sure we believe that it's possible. We're not actually sure we believe someone can change at the core of who we are. The core of who we are. Do you believe that other people can change? But then really what this gets down to, even deeper, is do you believe you can change? Do you actually believe that Jesus can change you? The, the, the areas of your life that maybe you're most ashamed of, the areas of your life, the desires that you have, the things in your life that you have begun to buy into, that those are just a part of who you are? That they define you in a sense, do you believe he can actually change those things, transform you in the process of transformation as we heard in the testimony that it's it's not overnight it's not about becoming perfect overnight that's not what we're talking about, but we are talking about this transformation process, and it stems from a belief that comes from the gospel that comes from the the truth of Scripture, really the central truth of Scripture, and the central message of the gospel is this, that you were made for complete transformation. That's, that's what we really believe when we say we believe in Jesus. That we believe that we were made for complete transformation. That This is what you're made for, complete transformation. Transformation, complete change, and it doesn't happen overnight. It isn't, a, I'm perfect, but desires begin to change. Some of them immediately. Behaviors begin to change. Who you are begins to change, and you are on a path of complete, fully like Jesus, completely transformed into the image of Jesus, of becoming fully like Jesus because of God's presence in your life and your relationship with Him and your relationships with others who are also Becoming like Him—that this is this is what you're made for. This is the message of the gospel: redemption. That's this is what redemption is. This is what reconciliation is. Becoming a new person, a returning to what we were meant to be, who we were meant to be. This process has it started in your life. It has to start somewhere. And has it started in your life? Have you completely bought in to the faith that you're being offered to believe that you were made for complete transformation? John's gospel um, declares this sort of truth for our lives at the end of it. In in John 20 and 21, this is the end of our reading for this gospel we've been reading it for three months together so we're in we've been in chapter 20 and 21 this week hopefully you've been reading along Um, but if you haven't been sit down and read the whole gospel of john you can read it in one sitting it moves fast there's good teaching in it there's good stories in it just sit down and read the whole gospel in one sitting and and this john's gospel we've been reading declares this truth declares this truth And it does it most directly in John declaring why he wrote the book. In chapter 20, he ends the chapter with these two verses that declares why he wrote this gospel. And it was about complete transformation for your lives and others. This is what he says in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. It's on the screen. If you don't have a Bible with you or you don't have your phone with the Bible app on it, it's going to be on the screen. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these, the ones written in this book, these are written and that you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us to believe that Jesus came to be our Messiah, transform us, redeem us, change us, complete transformation for us, and that by believing it, we we would experience the power that you have to do this. To change us, that by the power of Jesus' name we would be completely transformed, and that we would believe that for others as well. That we would so deeply believe that you long to transform them, that we would see that occur in their lives and in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray all things. By the powerful name of Jesus, we pray all things. Amen. So this, this, gospel of john ends with chapter 20 and 21 and those two verses are situated right in the middle 20 we we talked about the arrest and crucifixion and burial last week and this week 20 tells the story of the resurrection we get the story of jesus rising from the dead a complete transformation the central really starting point for the church that that death can become life that resurrection is possible that complete transformation is possible so so we get the story of the resurrection where jesus appears to the women in the garden and and the women become uh, the first sharers of the gospel the resurrection story to his disciples and of course the disciples were skeptical here's that skepticism again skeptical they they uh, jesus is, is where he's alive and then jesus appears to his disciples but one of them wasn't there, Thomas. Right? Thomas missed that first appearing, and so, what does Thomas meet their news with? Skepticism, doubting. And it wasn't a doubting of faith. It wasn't. We give Thomas a lot of grief, but he believed. He ultimately believed, but he was skeptical. And Jesus showed up again for Thomas and showed him his the scars. Jesus was resurrected enough in a physical form, enough to show. Thomas' scars, and Thomas believed. Thomas fully believed. He believed transformation was possible in that moment. And so the question becomes, do we? Do we believe it? Because the story John tells in 21, to follow the resurrection story of Jesus and to follow this declaration that the reason he wrote these things were that we might continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he can do what he says he can, he, he has came to do, save humanity, and that by believing that, we would be transformed, that we would have life, true life as God meant it, by the power of his name. He shares this purpose, and then he tells this story in 21 of Peter. Now remember, Peter, who I would argue is, is really only a degree away from Judas. In his denial of Jesus. He doesn't ever turn his back on Jesus. Doesn't sell him out. But he, he denies Jesus three times. Remember that's Peter. Peter who could declare who Jesus was at one point. But then at another point turn, his, turn around and deny him three times. This is the story where, where Jesus appears to his disciples. And then has this conversation with Peter. Almost reinstating him. Reaffirming him. Allowing him to experience this transformation. In his life, this transformation that it's possible that someone can go from doubting and denial to belief and being on mission for Jesus. See, we get Jesus appears to his disciples. They, even after his resurrection, they go back to what they know, they go fishing. They go fishing, and they're hanging out fishing, and they aren't catching anything. And Jesus appears and says, why don't you throw your nets on the other side? And Peter immediately recognizes, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. And so they go to him on the shore. They bring fish. They cook the fish. They hang out. I mean, so normal, right? These are normal activities that the resurrected Lord is having. These normal activities with his disciples. Just normal everyday life. And then he starts this conversation with Peter as they walk down the beach. Where, where Jesus would look at Peter and say, do you love me? And Peter would actually get frustrated with him and respond with saying, yes, you know I love you. But Jesus does this three times, just like the three-time denial, Peter now three time, three times affirms his love for Jesus. And you know, God, Jesus' response after each one to Peter was then go feed my sheep. Go feed my people. Go, go, go take what I've taught you, go take the relationship I've taught you to have with me, go take this message of complete transformation and walk them through transformation. Go feed my people. That's Jesus' answer to Peter. That this was meant to have practical outcomes, that living by the power of Jesus' name, fully believing that we were made for complete transformation has practical outcomes in our life. This is the story. That John finishes his gospel with about Peter, you were made for complete transformation, and whether you believe that or not is the key because if you believe it, it will lead to very practical behaviors in your life. you know one of one of the ways we we long to do ministry as a part of Sumter Chapel lines up with a, with the way that ministry was done during a great awakening period in, our, in, in Europe and in our country that was centered around John Wesley and this band discipleship model of ministry. And we long to see practically gathering together to believe that we can become more like Jesus that we can be transformed and fully love God and fully love others. See, John Wesley himself practiced this. This is where this whole Methodist movement, this this whole awakening period happened during that time. That the leaders that ultimately led that awakening, they began practicing. They recognized, wait a minute, and these were people that had been in church their whole life, they recognized, wait a minute, do I really believe That God wants this relationship with me to transform me? Do I really believe that? Because if I do, then I have to live that out. Then that becomes something I live out, and it's become something I live out with others. Because I actually have the faith to believe that He wants to transform me. It's not a faith I muster up, but it's a a gift of a faith, that God gives me this gospel, and, and that I buy into it. And I say, wait a minute, this is what God has for me. He he made me to be completely transformed, to rid myself of the desires of this world, to have new desires planted in me, to take on the fruits of the Spirit, the very presence of God in me so that others might see me. This This is the truth of Scripture. This is the truth for us today. And I experienced this truth in my life. I experienced this truth in my life Several years ago, several years ago, experienced that God wanted to actually change me and transform me. That God wanted to actually do this work in my life of transformation, not just um, uh, an initial faith or believing I get into heaven one day, but a complete transformation. A complete change. This happened in a very practical way in my life. Where I began to meet with others who also began to fully believe this. See, I didn't really believe Jesus could change me for the longest time. I didn't really believe Jesus could change me. That he could change desires that I had that he could transform me that he could place within me a love for other people that he could place within me his love that I could that I could fully love other not a perfection this is, it's actually the opposite it's the fully admitting of my imperfection and my need for God's work in my life that's what it is it's the it's the practical boots to the ground working out of really believing that God wants to do this work in my life, that He wants to make me more like Jesus, and and the face to face interaction with others, of of saying to one another, no 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 no, you really, you believe Jesus wants to change you, let's do this. Let's let's take this thing that has controlled you that has defined you that you believe would never be never leave you that would always be a part of your life and and let's pray to God and let's work toward in faith transformation together let's fight this battle together and experience transformation together and see God work to change us together because We believe that we were made to be completely transformed. You were made for complete transformation. It's the truth of the gospel, it's the truth of the scripture. It is literally the outworking of Jesus in your life. What's holding you back from having confidence in His work, not your effort, in His gifting, not your talent or ability? that you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps or that you have enough ability or talent. In his love, what's, what's keeping you from having confidence in his love, his love for you, his love that can flow through you to others and not your feelings, not your feelings about how life is going right now, or your feelings towards others as they maybe even hurt you, But your confidence in His love to accomplish its purposes in your life. He wants to transform your pride into sacrifice. He wants to take your selfishness and turn it into compassion. God wants to to turn your hatred or anger towards someone into forgiveness he wants to take your judgment of them and ha- and cause you to have grace toward them he wants to take your pain your pain points your weaknesses and give you strength in the midst of those times and he wants to he wants to remove your guilt Remove your guilt and take the places that you once were guilty or ashamed and wanted to hide those things about yourself and use those for your own personal ministry in the life of others to show them this God, this amazing God, this this amazing Savior, this amazing presence of the Holy Spirit that can actually come in and transform and change and redefine who you are and who they are. He wants to use you to, to spread this message to others that you, that they, were made to be completely transformed, completely changed. To have the desires of their heart, to have the thoughts in their mind, to have their actions changed from things that were harming to things that are good and are as God intended them to be, what we were made to be. So this morning, we're going to respond to God, to his presence, to his message, through his word. And we're going to respond through some singing. We'll we'll have a worship song together. But during this song, we're going to respond very specifically through communion. And you can respond in all the other ways we typically respond. You can go um, spend time at the prayer wall. You can spend time kneeling at the altar. You can even go uh, run your hands through the the bowl of water and remember your baptism. You can respond through praying with one another and through singing. But we will respond specifically through communion. I'm going to ask Andrew to help assist me and we're going to come around and serve each of you communion and remind you of the body of Jesus broken for you, the story we talked about last week, and the blood of Christ shed for you. But why was it broken? Why was it shed? It, to break the, the control of sin in our lives. To, to give us the hope that we can actually be Someone else than someone controlled by sin, in in the chains of evil in this world, and in our life, that that we can actually experience the transformation. And then he 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 made good on his promise. The story we read today, he he rose again, resurrection. And so we're gonna take communion together and remember what Jesus accomplished for us in his death, burial, and resurrection, and that that we are a resurrection people that we have this message of hope for the world of that, that we were made for complete transformation, but that they were made to be transformed as well and to no longer be defined by the ways of this world, to no longer be defined by the patterns of this world and the evil of this world and, and to react in the way this world tells us to react and to act in this way and to think and to feel in the way that this world tells us to, but instead... To react and act and feel and think in the way that God designed us to. That works itself out in love and hope and joy and all of these things we long to see. Peace and unity. We find them in the place of transformation. And so as we respond in communion this morning, you respond to the presence of God in your life. (laughs)